Welcome back to another episode of the Boink Radio Podcast. We are here on the Boink Network Discord server, as always, on this beautiful Friday evening for me. It's it's nice and sunny. It's actually a little drought-like out there. I wish it would rain. But we do this every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, and we talk about all things Boink. We'll answer your questions if you got them. We'll talk about some science stuff if we find it. And every once in a while, Delta, co-host here, does some project briefs. We just listened to one on Qcompedia, so keep an eye out for that on the same uh, podcast channel. Uh, but Delta, how's it going, man? What's up? It's freezing here. <laughs> it's in the middle <laughs> of winter. We're having similar drought uh conditions to you we're probably only gonna have rain about once in uh in july and that's about it it's currently about 12 degrees celsius here that's 50 freedom units for you that's not a lot of freedom that is not a lot of freedom <laughs> the freedom scale is about half on my on my oh, thing speaking here I'll of show freedom, you. Man. there you go that is the cutest little thermometer oh man for yep. anyone listening here, Delta's he pops on a webcam every once in a while, and he's in his room, his brick room with a bunch of mirrors. It's really creepy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but but speaking of uh, uh, freedom, really quick, because this is just fascinating to me. Um, there are a bunch of fireworks going off all over the place here, uh, and I like it's this does not happen regularly. This is not a regular. It's not event. even Fourth of July yet. Exactly. But here is a statistic I heard in New York City. Uh, there have been over 11,000 fireworks complaints over like the last month or two. Guess how many there were in the same amount of time last year? 10? Okay, yeah. It's like 24. So oh, <laughs> 24 to 11,000. So this is what lockdown does to people. We're going to get fireworks and just launch them all. <laughs> uh, speaking of having freedom, I've had the freedom to choose something else other than tea this wow, time. Wow, nice. Okay, what you got? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this one's interesting. I'm, I'm pulling off of the uh, Bilpin cider that I that I did last episode, uh, and I've got another little trinket from Bilpin, and it's a homemade melon and lemon jam. All right, this stuff is great. I put it on my toast, uh, and I'll show you my toast. All right, look at this stuff. You get actual bits of lemon, and you get bits of like melon as well no, in there. This so. is a kids' show. You just can't go around showing your toast off like that. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. This is some really good stuff, right? And uh, apparently, the guy, apparently the guy that makes this stuff, uh, he got hit really bad with the bushfires. So I thought oh, I might as well buy some buy some stuff and uh, wait till next episode where I'll get a different condiment to show you guys. <laughs> wait. So does this mean you're not drinking anything today? No, I could drink some. I could be drinking in the future. You never know. <laughs> uh, I don't know about you guys. Not talking Delta here. Everyone in the chat. Uh, I'm a little like I feel betrayed. A little bit. He always has fluid. Sorry, I have He's water. Got oh okay. wait, it's Ooh. empty. He doesn't even it's have empty. a full water bottle. <laughs> All right. Well. Uh, I have some actual watermelons here. Hold on. Yeah, little watermelon okay, that candies. Ca- that, that ca- they're candies. They're not even real watermelons. Oh. <laughs> Man, as you guys can tell, it's a drought today- over here. It's drought. <laughs> it's-, it's Australia. Today is a slow boink day. We're going to be covering some news. Uh, and we'll answer any questions anyone has in the chat, but we're really just kind of hanging out today. So uh, there is some really cool news, though, so stick around for sure. Uh, but I guess we'll just get started. I'm your host, Crunchy Pickle. <laughs> I'm your host, Crunchy Melon. <laughs> All right. 
So to kick us off with some news, we're going to jump into uh, Rosetta at Home. Rosetta at Home, as everyone I'm sure is well aware at this point, is the uh, the main Boeing project working on COVID work units, although no longer the only one. So we have, oh boy, you're going to have to uh, correct me here, but we have Rosetta at Home. We have Open Pandemics out of Rural Community Grid, which is working on COVID work units and also developing tools to handle future pandemics. Uh, we mm-hmm. have... Uh, what are the fundamental science, foundational science projects we've got going? TN Grid? Um, yeah, TN Grid. And the other one was GPU Grid, uh, mainly because they're working on the ACE2 gene, which is very important to understanding coronavirus. Awesome. Okay, so we got those four projects. And then outside of Boink, we have Folding at Home, which is doing great work with the COVID work units as well. So we got five distributed computing projects, four of which are on the Boink platform, where you could be... Uh, using your idle processing power to help us as a species destroy this evil, nasty virus, while at the same time learning about viruses, which are definitely going to come back. So <laughs> very useful stuff. Uh, Joey Buddy in the chat That's here, news. great contribution here. He says there's another outside project, but he forgets what it's called. <laughs> if you remember, let us know and we'll bring it in. Uh, but coming out of Rosetta at home, they have... Uh, a vaccine <laughs> not quite oh. <laughs> so, they have some big news the researchers at the institute of protein design uh have succeeded in creating antiviral pr- proteins that neutralize the new coronavirus in the lab so basically they take a bunch of drugs in a computer and they simulate binders they don't and- actually put the drugs in the computer but yeah <laughs> How do you know, man? You there? No, they, they try. <laughs> I'm a computer they, scientist. I'm supposed to know. <laughs> they they try to find uh, proteins that disrupt the uh, the the path that the coronavirus takes to get inside your body. So if they can disrupt that path, then they can stop people can, from getting sick. So if so, what they use our they use our computers to simulate this process, and they. Uh, take potential disruptors into the lab and go test them. And it turns out, well, they, they found some that they have uh, that seem like they're going to work. So they're now taking these drugs, which are the the proteins that disrupt the uh, the path the virus takes, and they're going to uh, put them into animals now, which is unfortunate, but it's the way we go with medicine these days. It's for science, right? We One day to, we have to make sacrifices. One day we'll be able to do it all on a computer chip. But uh, essentially, from our work uh, as, as crunchers, we've increased the amount of binders they can find or potential binders they can find, like uh, some crazy number from like 3,000 to 200,000, let's say. I don't know if those are the real numbers, but that's basically the scale we're working with. And uh, because of that, they have found many more uh, potential candidates for uh, drugs. So they now have some they're going to go use to test. That's really, really cool. That is very tangible results from us just contributing to Boink. Yep. And so if you want some actual numbers for this stuff, uh, Rosetta at Home reached a peak of running just under 1.6 million work units at uh, concurrently at the same time. So uh, that would be approximately 1.6 million computers, but some computers will download more tasks than others, of course. So it'll be probably more or less probably half than that. Uh, but uh, th- those are the numbers. 1.6 million work units concurrently running outside of Rosetta at home. But also another interesting thing, Rosetta's actually run out of work recently. So, 
Really? Yeah, that, uh, I'm currently looking here. I think it looks like they have a very small amount of tasks or not, no, none at all. I'm sure they'll come up with more soon enough. But in the meantime, we'll go ahead and jump on Open Pandemics or TN Grid or GPU Grid. Yeah, so they they just uh, recently released some tasks by the looks of it. So, yeah, to, to give like some numbers, some hard numbers on what we are doing, like how, the scale that we're contributing to uh, Rosetta um, without Boink. So what they do is they design scaffolds and they take scaffolds. This sounds they, like my guttering project. <laughs> <laughs> they design what are called de novo uh, scaffolds, which are inhibitors, uh, and they find which ones uh, target the right protein, and then they find the ones, and they optimize that, and then they go and do experiments. So without Boink, they work with 5,000 scaffolds. They From that, they get 200,000 designed scaffolds, and then from that, they get ten success, less than 10 successful designs, so designs they can go and experiment with. That's not a lot, right? With Boink, with the power we've been giving them over the past couple months, they have gotten 30,000 different scaffolds. That has given them 10 million different designs to work with. And from those 10 million designs, they end up with 200 to 1,000 successful designs that they can then go test. That is a huge increase. And that is all because they're working with a distributed computing network instead of having to sit in line and wait for supercomputers. Sitting in the in the dark and damp hallway <laughs> with their laptop and the USB stick, just praying the battery doesn't die. Yeah, but uh, the point of having more results is that you can roll the dice a lot more. So if there's a I don't know a 0.1% chance of finding a cure based on that particular protein, um, or based on just a result, just in general, if you roll the dice enough times, eventually you'll get it. So the more results we have, the better. And the great thing about computers is that we can predict which ones might be the best ones to look at. Absolutely. It's, it's just, that's all, that's what computation is designed for, right? It's just roll the dice over and over and over again, really, really, really quickly. So you get something you can go and do actual physical work with. And you know. Oh yeah, there's, lot, there's lots of purposes to computing. The main one is just simply to automate processes. And then another one is to perform calculations that humans could otherwise not do in that space of time. And the other one is to basically just go through all those calculations as fast as you can and as much as you can. Yeah. And a little more info on uh, Rosetta at home here. So they're not just working on ways to um, sort of in, stop the virus from getting into your cells. They're also working on ways to stop the cytokine storm that comes from the virus. So the way people um, essentially die from this virus is their own immune system attacks it, attacks the body, because this virus is very, very, uh, it, it's just disgusting, right? So it, if you, if they can... It, if we, whoever, if someone can find a way to stop the human immune system from reacting so aggressively, uh, then we can save lives. We might not stop someone from getting sick, but we'll stop the person from dying, from their own immune system destroying their organs. And the way the immune system creates these cytokine storms is through proteins, essentially. So if we can find a way to inhibit the production of too many cytokines, then we can save lives. So they're, they're, they're attacking this problem twofold. One is through just stopping the virus from getting in the body, as we've discussed before, that's just blocking the keyhole that the virus likes to plug into. And the other one is stopping the human body from producing too many of its uh, defense mechanisms, essentially, that end up killing it. So it, it's uh, they're really attacking this thing head on. And it's really cool to see results coming out of it. Like A lot of this stuff is, is sometimes fairly uh, abstract, like the 
the space stuff, it can be tangible. Like, ooh, I found a pulsar. But it's like, okay, how does that affect me immediately? Like, oh, maybe we'll be able to navigate through the cosmos in 300 years by using these as North Stars, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a very tangible result. There's a bunch of virus um, or vaccine candidates out there. Delta, you say this all the time. It's it Just because it's a vaccine candidate doesn't mean that it's going to be the best vaccine we can get. So having a possible candidate come out of this is pretty cool. Yep. And uh, as I usually say, you're probably thinking, oh, they have a vaccine. Why are we still crunching? Oh, the vaccine's going to work fine. Look, they're doing the they they're doing the thing and they're getting an 80% um, success rate. But we can improve on that. We can improve in two aspects: the success rate. Actually, more more than one aspect. We can um we can improve the success rate. We can improve uh the toxicity, so we can make it less toxic. Uh, and uh, or, or reduce the side effects, and also reducing the cost. If we can find a lower cost protein that does the exact same thing, people are going to manufacture it. Great example of this with that cost aspect. There's uh, that ex- the the drug remdesivir or something like that, which is a fairly new drug. There's no real production uh, chain in effect right now, so it's fairly expensive. And then there is a study that came out on a basic steroid that's everywhere already. And the basic steroid reduces death by like, I think it's 15 to 20%, depending on the case, which is, you know, it's, it's, that's a significant number. It's not like it stops the virus or completely stops death, but it, it's a huge reduction. It's notable. And that basic steroid, because it's everywhere, is very, very cheap. It's something like $30 for a regimen. And it's just, you know, it, it has a one in five chance of saving your life or a one in eight chance of saving your life. And it's like, that's, that is Until everyone starts hoarding it. <laughs> right. But we have We're having support. toilet paper problems over here, Jeringo. <laughs> trying to support Help. you, man. <laughs> Wait, you're still having TP problems over there? Yes, uh, because um, bloody Victoria, the southern state, everyone hates Victoria, oh, except gosh. for people that live in Victoria. <laughs> I know. Um, Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, had a, they had a mini outbreak. We got about uh, 30 cases, which for you guys is nothing, but for us, apparently, it warrants the hoarding of toilet paper. Really? So that happens once it out- once there's another like outbreak, people hoard toilet paper again? Like, did they run out of toilet paper yep. from last time they hoarded it? No, they didn't. <laughs> we we almost ran out of toilet paper because we, we bought toilet paper and we had it before the whole rush and we just needed an extra one after the rush. And then now we need another one just because we're just usually run out as we do. So I had to go in and grab the last pack of toilet paper that was there. <laughs> oh, man. How'd you feel? Because I bought the last thing of ketchup the other week, and I felt like, yes, I got like the luckiest man in the world, but also like there's someone who can't get ketchup now. I feel so bad. I I felt like uh, people would judge me for doing the rush on toilet paper, but I know that we need toilet paper at home, <laughs> so I'm gonna get toilet paper. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I was I was supporting you in your your explanation that we need it to continue exploring potential drugs for this because we could find a cheaper one. And the effect of a cheaper drug is uh, magnified by the effect that there's poverty in the world at levels that a lot of people might not fully appreciate. So if we can find cheaper solutions to these problems, that's awesome. And that's why we have to continue looking, even if we find 100% efficacy drug or 100% uh, vaccine, we need to continue looking to find a cheaper one, one that we can give to everyone regardless of their standing in life. Hmm. So keep And also um, helping out the developing nations too, because their health care is really crumbling right now. Amen. Amen. All right. Before we go to the next news thing, uh, which 
also has to do with COVID. We got a question in the chat coming from KGB Dog 14. And this is the first time I've read your name out loud. It's a pretty funny name. All right. He's <laughs> <laughs> a Russian spy. <laughs> do you think science and computing will advance to the point we will not need distributed computing? Delta, what do you think? I think that in the end, it'll have to be distributed computing. Um, either we're going to have a takeover from an AI overlord. In that case, we don't have to worry. I'm on or, board with that. Let's go. <laughs> or uh, we advance computing to the next level. So the first level was building the transistor, <clears throat> advancing computing to onboard chips. Because we've reached the issue of Moore's law and we've reached almost the limit right now, the next step is to take macro limits. So the amount of space that we have in a room or the amount of space that we have in space and put computing in there. So I think eventually, because of the way the human mind works and the way that we like to organize things, eventually we're going to have to do distributed computing in some way. Even if it's some big cube in space that just has computers all in it, and then we use that as a central computing platform, that platform itself is distributed. It communicates between all the CPUs, it completes its work in a distributed fashion, and in order to cater for that huge computation, you're going to have to have all that distributed computing power there. And so um, that, that's, that's, I think that's how uh, the human race is going to achieve that. You understand you just described a Borg cube, right? Yep. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, like, I agree with you. And not only is that, like, the way it's going to have to happen, that's the way it's already happening. If you think about, like, the Internet of Things, right? Like, if we have all these cars that are essentially the little computers driving around all over the place, what is that car doing when it's not driving someone? Why wouldn't we be using that resource to provide computation and at the same time when it is driving someone why wouldn't we be using it to map traffic map like take sensor data apply it to a computational model take all this this non-stop sensor stuff and, and just have it be our eyes ears and comp uh, computational device so essentially brain of the network of a city or the network of a nation or of a world if we ever reach that level right we have as, as smart fridges are another example mobile phones we talk about all the time we have computation everywhere let's link it together and use it yeah and uh best example is tracking traffic so if you have uh traffic tracking uh, applications the way that they usually get their data uh is from actually just taking the location data with people who have their phones in the car and so they see how many phones are collectively in a particular position and line <laughs> and it basically shows a line of phones on the road and you can tell how much traffic is there so that's the best and most simplest example that we have Awesome. And from a, like a philosophical level, uh, I think distributed computing has a higher uh, probability of being developed in a more equitable way than centralized computing. Because distributing computing, like in the model of Boink, uh, enables everyone to participate in it. And this this means that there's going to be more push for open data, there's more push for open access and open education uh, and all that stuff versus if just IBM, for example, built everything or Intel built everything or Amazon built everything. Then it's like, okay, we can just let our, our, our king essentially control all the resources and do all the computation. No one knows what's going on behind the veil there. The digital praise curtain. our Lord IBM. <laughs> <laughs> And like, just let them do it. We're fine. And a benevolent overlord, right? With distributed computing, I'm contributing to Boink. And there's also these tertiary uh, or tangential benefits that we talk about all the time. I'm learning from contributing to all these science projects. I didn't know what proteins were. I knew what proteins were, but like not at the level I do now <laughs> before I do like Rosetta. Uh, red meat. Let's go to dinner. Yeah. <laughs> like, red meat at home. <laughs> 
Oh, pandemic, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we all get to learn about the, the projects we're, we're crunching. And that brings science literacy across the board. And all of a sudden, you don't have people screaming at politicians, ideally or hopefully, about how they're taking away God's beautiful respiratory or breathing apparatus or whatever she said. <laughs> like, it, it, when you have distributed computing, you you create a higher probability of including everyone in the process. And when you include everyone in the process, you have a higher chance to make the world a better place for everyone because everyone's at the table. So that is a philosophical approach to why distributed computing should hopefully and will hopefully be the future instead of um, centralized computing. And, mm-hmm. and Delta, I have a question for you here, follow-up question. Mm-hmm. Um, so you described a Borg cube. What is the sphere yes. for? The, the what? The Borg sphere. What do they use that for? I I don't watch Star Trek, but I happen oh, to God. know what I'm walking the Borg away. is. Crunchy pickle out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they use the Borg sphere to make the crunchy melon. <laughs> I realize I just forgot the Y in my name. What are you, crunch melon? <laughs> I love it. I'll keep it as that. I'll keep it as that. Crunch call melon. Me, call me Foxy here points out in the chat that uh, Hyundai or somebody is running Kubernetes uh, in their cars nowadays. And I know I said that wrong, but. Yes, that's uh, that's a distributed computing. Everyone uh, says it wrong. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, infrastructure, right? And someone knows more about you. Delta, you know more about whatever that is than I do for sure. But like, what is Unfortunately, that? I I do not know. I, I haven't done any research into it. Wow, Foxy, you got him. Okay. Hey, at least I have humility. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure it has to do with computing on the edge, right? That's what they call it, I think. Um, yeah. Okay, KG, uh, KGB asks, are we excited for exascale devices? He also praises our AI overlord as he should because I'll, I'll hail the AI overlord. Uh, Delta, what do you think about exascale devices? I'm just excited for innovation in general. Um, I, I can't wait to see the next step of technological innovation. So we're waiting for that time where someone comes up with some good idea that kicks off that next boom. Uh, so just like how we invented the transistor and that kicked off the technology boom, I'm waiting for that next other boom that we're going to have. Because right now, we're doing what most innovations in the economy do. Big boom, and then it peters off like a logarithmic curve. So uh, we're waiting for that next one that pushes it back up. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so the other thing we've got today is coming out of the uh, Boink Project. Well, let's say the Boink Project EberCVs. EberCVs is another distributed computing network uh, that has a Boink project as a portal so when you crunch their project you actually plug into their network through boink which is a really cool uh use of boink that i haven't seen done before but apparently it's been done before i don't know okay whatever it's cool so they're working on um the coronavirus as well uh you receive these project coming out of spain's higher council for scientific research the high council the high council of research we shall send frodo off to the volca- <laughs> volcano is it a mountain or volcano oh i'm a bad nerd i don't know I'm sorry <laughs> anyway so uh they are working on attacking um from what i can tell this is spanish so i'm using a translator but it seems like they're they're working to attack the coronavirus from a different angle uh attacking or utilizing what are called dips interfering defective particles um so these are things that sort of 
uh, inhibit a virus and they inhibit the RNA sequence of the virus. So it's a very specific mechanism. So when something, uh, so Rosetta or TN grid or GPU grid, I think are working on ways to inhibit ACE receptors or reduce the number of ACE receptors. Uh, the ACE2 receptors used for things other than, you know, the coronavirus sneaking into your body. So when you inhibit that receptor, you're also creating side effects. When you use a dip to attack a virus, apparently, from what I understand, uh, it inhibits a very specific RNA sequence. So it would stop just the coronavirus and not anything else in your body. Um, so if you create enough of these inhibitors, essentially, you stop the, the virus. Um, so that's what Eber Civis is doing. Uh, this is just a news article that <laughs> came out just explaining that. Uh, I'll try to put the link in the description below to put in on what platform you're listening to this on. Uh, and if we find out a way to control these, then we can stop the coronavirus, along with probably a lot of viruses in the future. And this kind of delta, this kind of goes back to what we talk about a lot uh, with just the idea of foundational science. And that's how Boink is used a lot. Uh, if we understood how viruses worked, we could stop viruses when they happen a little more than we're kind of just scrambling right now. Oh, God, let's stop the ACE2 receptor. Oh, God, let's stop the cytokine storm. Oh, God, let's uh, find dips. Oh, God, let's... Ah, what do we do? <laughs> right, so... Well, yeah, because viruses are a much more complex organism than bacteria, because bacteria, we know that we can use one we can use basically one tool to kill them all and that's antibiotics uh well. and also coming into the future bacteriophages okay all right yeah okay and so with viruses it's a lot different because they're not exactly fully living organisms so it's much more harder to kill and so in order to actually kill a virus there are or, or even just stop a virus there are a multitude of different methods that we can choose to try and do that so an example is what you said there within inhibiting and preventing it from binding there's also another one preventing it from spreading um, there's also one that's improved sanitization so you can kill the virus by just destroying its cell wall there's so many different ways that we could do it and the key thing is how do we make one specific way to do it for everyone around the world that doesn't harm anyone and so that's the big issue and if we can manage to make a boink project that is just solely made to just i guess maybe create and predict viruses and then find a way to vaccinate them then we'd we'd be we'd be good we, it would be set for life as soon as a new virus comes out learn its rna crunch it bang there we go vaccine yeah and it, the, the way we find those things, those global solutions like antibiotics, which aren't really, they're really cool. They're not global solutions though. But the, the, we have to understand how bacteria works. We under, I don't think we still understand how bacteria works. We barely understand anything. Like it's, we live in such a technologically advanced society compared to like even 10 years ago that we forget that we know very, very little about most everything we think we know a lot about. Like genetics, we just did the genomics project. We're barely able to control it. We don't know how alleles work and how genetics in it, like the different genes interact with each other. And it's like, but we still try to make uh, designer babies. It's like, we need the foundational science for this stuff first. We need to figure out, we need to know that if we just give antibiotics, just spread them everywhere, we're going to end up creating super bacterium that kill everyone. We need, if we understood how bacteria works before we just threw bacteria, antibacteria everywhere, penicillin everywhere, uh, we probably would not have thrown penicillin everywhere. <laughs> like, it, 
but we didn't know how it worked. We just realized that this thing we found is a really cool thing that's plentiful, kills this this stuff that we don't really know what it is. So we used it and it, we kind of screwed ourselves by doing that. So if we have this foundational science, we'll be able to create solutions like you're saying. If a new virus comes up, we find the RNA. We've realized that with this strain of RNA, we can produce these dips. We we know it's going to produce this response when it gets into the human body. It's going to create a cytokine storm. So right when it gets right when we notice that the virus exists, we'll create ways uh, that stop the human body. We'll distribute ways that stop the human body from creating too many cytokines. And it's like cool. But if we're just reactive over and over and over again, and we find something cool that when we plug it in, lights up, it's like, and we just continue plugging <laughs> it in, and we're like, cool, light. Like, that's going to screw us over. Again, it's happened so many times. That potato light. <laughs> right? like, potato battery. This is why Boink is so cool. We talked about it actually last in the last episode where we talked about the benefits and the drawbacks to uh, having just open data. It's like Boink is just creating massive data sets. And you just talked about it with Qcompedia. All they're doing is being like, here is a molecule in, or a chemical, and here's how it interacts with stuff. Here, we're going to write it down. <laughs> so like someone in the future can look at it and reference it. It's, it's, yeah, and I, I have a, yeah, I have a friend who does data science, and uh, he recently went through all of his data science lectures and everything. And he was just going and ranting on about how cool it is and how um, meaningful it is to do the computations and then store the data rather than just constantly focusing on doing the computations whenever you need it. It's so much more efficient to just buy a huge amount of storage and just compute everything and just store it. It's, it's so much more cheaper. Can you imagine if there was a distributed storage mechanism that also had a ledger that maintained pointers to all that data and that ledger was held by thousands if not millions of computers around the world so it couldn't be erased and the data was held through a, the like a distributed storage like a, so like a peer to peer network or or like so like BitTorrent can you imagine how beneficial that would be to society and then imagine if you monetized that system so that People could get credit from it, and you would get money just from a protocol that that gave that that gave you money whenever you discovered new data. Oh man, that would be so great! Wow, I think I know what you're talking <laughs> about, Jay Ringo. Please, please call me Crunchy Pickle. Because <laughs> you crunch Boink projects. Oh, I didn't even think about. Oh man, we're crunching fruits and vegetables. <laughs> oh, we're crunchy melon. <laughs> crunching pickle. <laughs> This is the future that is probably going to exist, and it's going to involve the edge computing. It's going to involve all the foundational science that these projects are doing. And there's just so it's it's almost it's unfortunate that it's not so glaringly obvious to a lot of people, but it's going to happen anyway. Because, <laughs> like you said, there's been it's been so long that people have just crunched science, crunched data, and then thrown it out. Crunched melons, right? Because there's nowhere to store it, and even if you did store it somewhere, someone has to maintain that that database, and then someone has to maintain the 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 Dewey Decimal System, right, to figure out where everything is stored. Well, let's get away from all that that yeah. cost. And, and then if someone eats a hot dog and the hot dog slips out and falls into the server room. I mean, all the data's lost. Damn. That's a real thing. Did that happen with like CERN or something? No, but we always we always keep saying if there's a server that's down, we always say, oh, he probably just left the hot dog on the server rack or something. We should switch to Hot Pockets. They were eating like a, a broccoli and cheese Hot Pocket and it's just like the cheese spurt out the end and just right yeah, into the Yeah, cook a pizza gears. on a server rack. It's uh. like a little oven if you think about it. <laughs> it Fan-forced it oven. Oh my God, I'm going to start uh, a restaurant 
called the the crunching something cruncher cooking the crunchy pickle <laughs> the crunchy pickle <laughs> and, and it's just boink servers but i'm cooking pizzas on top of them yeah <sighs> done all right so we are clearly Perfect. off the rails at this point so i think we're gonna wrap up this is a comedy episode <laughs> um yeah so that's eber series uh and and that is kind of our opinions on also data science but uh and that is the news from boink this last week thank you everyone for listening this has been a very fun discussion wide-ranging wide-reaching because it really hasn't been oh oh no no i'm sorry i promised to give you guys an update from the uh projects call that happened last week so i'll do that really quickly and then we're gonna sign off hey. uh so the projects call is a call that happens four times a year it's between a bunch of projects it's basically like a mini boink workshop right uh and there were updates from a bunch of projects rosetta at home did a, a nice presentation on the work they've been doing because they've been doing a lot of um outreach and it's been wonderful we got updates from world community grid einstein black holes which is a new project coming out which sounded really cool they're doing really neat work uh developing that project um and a lot of other projects too that i can't remember off the top of my head we got server updates and development updates things are going great etc uh but the biggest news that is most relevant to most people listening to this is the boink workshop uh so of course we talked about how it's canceled it's a shame the record graph team is awesome for for even volunteering to put it together and then going through the work to put it together and to organize everything to plan everything and then getting it canceled because hey pandemic everything's canceled <laughs> but there is uh, a drive to do a online workshop uh, uh what are we calling it a virtual workshop uh so it's very likely going to happen there was a lot of support from the projects uh and uh, we're not entirely certain how it's going to work yet. Uh, there was sort of introductory, 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 yeah, introductory discussions about what we would want to see, whether it's like pre-produced content or uh, live Q and A sessions. I think both, personally, I think both have uh, um, a lot of potential. Uh, but there was. Thankfully, a lot of excitement and recognition that when you do a virtual workshop, you can make it about distributed computing, distributed computing in general, and that's going to draw in a lot of people from outside Boink. So we can sort of use it as a marketing aspect. So if you are interested in doing a virtual workshop, I know we already have a crew of folks here at the podcast that are interested, and I'm going to keep you guys all in the loop as we move forward. Uh, but if you are now interested, knowing that it's very likely going to happen and there's project support and developer support behind it, um, reach out to me and we'll, uh, you'll be brought into the loop. Uh, but that's very, very exciting. Uh, and there was even discussion about there being a virtual workshop every year, even with a physical workshop, just because they provide two different benefits you know one of them is and people in australia can come exactly that was actually brought up not australia specifically but the i think uh, it was juan from uh world community grid said well people are gonna come who can't come because they're physically limited to where they are <laughs> so so yes that's We're a very stuck on this island point, man right? help us <laughs> So like it, it's gonna be great. We can have fun. I hope that Boink Radio gets to have a presence there, and we can maybe help do like and give signatures, um, autographs. Yeah, I mean, I, if it's gonna happen, I committed to flipping pancakes throughout uh, uh, the entire <laughs> thing. I'm gonna walk that back a little bit, and I'm gonna say throughout a significant portion of the virtual workshop, because I don't know how long it's gonna be or what's going on. So I can't commit to the entire time flipping pancakes, but uh, <laughs> it's gonna be interesting. And I'll, I'll bring the I'll bring the three. 60 degree camera too there you go 
if you have other things you can offer for a virtual workshop, because we want it to be fun too. Like the, it should be educational, it should be community oriented, all that stuff. But let's also have some fun with it. So if you wanted, if you have access to a 3D robot that you want to just drive around and like show off your university, that's really fun. Uh, I want to flip pancakes. That's pretty fun. Uh, <laughs> reach out. Let's let's do some fun stuff. Um, yeah. So that was the uh, the the projects. Um, uh, meeting projects call. I think they put them out the recordings eventually. Um, but yeah, it, it was it's pretty cool. If you are, are interested, check out the next one. Keep an ear to the ground for when it comes. Otherwise, check you out. You mean the... an ear to the ceiling in Australia? Right, because you're upside down. Right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, uh, keep an eye out for Keith's uh, contributor calls, which are a little more sparse now during the uh, pandemic times, but. Um, jump on those. We talk. Those are they were biweekly for a while. They might be monthly now. I don't know. Uh, but we'll try and keep you in the loop here at the Boink Network. So yeah, that's the show, guys. Thanks for being here. Except I'm for Rig of the Week. Oh, Rig of the Week, guys. Rig of the Week coming from Crunchmelon. <laughs> yes. Okay. Crunchmelon here with your Rig of the Week today. I'm going to show <laughs> you some Lego arms. Okay. Uh, apparently, Sunk Eight One Eight has uh, a Lego arm rig. Now, what this is, it's a whole bunch of phones built, uh, a whole bunch of old Android phones by the looks of it, and he's uh, built a little shack for them all out of Lego, and you can just slide in your phone there and put it on charge, and it gets cooled with all the fans around it. Um, I assume that thing would get pretty hot. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's good that there's lots of fans there, uh, and great use for Lego, too, uh, for holding up your phones while they're crunching. <laughs> I count 16 phones. There you go. Where do people find it? They just got to buy phones off eBay or something. Like, Possibly. Otherwise, they maybe work at um, uh, a computer store or something or an old business or something, and they just take all the company phones and just don't know what to do with them. Yeah, that's a good point. Or, or maybe they work at uh, one of those uh, phone recycling companies. You know how you can like recycle your phone? Yeah. Yeah, they might work at that. Interesting, interesting. Huh, Man, I cool. wish I had that many that many phones to use. I got a solar panel outside that I can plug in a whole bunch of phones to. Huh, yeah, dude, get some phones. Call me, yeah, maybe. And also the importance of having Boink projects with Android tasks because I can barely find any that support my current phone uh, or the one, at least the one that I use for crunching. Um, so yeah, if I think they only support mainly newer phones, but we'll see. But yeah. Nice. And Foxy says that they've received three more TV boxes with Androids going to be Debianized hopefully on Sunday. And I think that means they're going to hook them up to Crunch. Yeah, with Linux. <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Congratulations to Sunk, followed by the numbers in their username. I forgot already. 818. <laughs> Congratulations to Sunk818 for Crunch of the Week. They get all that honor, respect. Honor and respect. <laughs> And they get the badge on our Boink team. <laughs> right. We got to make that Boink team. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, Foxy, post a picture of that sucker once you got it all set up, and you might win a rig of the week because that sounds pretty cool. Uh, I guess. Oh, KGB. Yes. I forgot about the Dream Lab shout out. So uh, Dream Lab, which we have talked about before, I think it's the Australian uh, company that does distributed computing. Uh, well, it's an Australian subsidiary of a UK business. <laughs> Well, that is, just, <laughs> that is just nonsense. Yeah, and they run an app that uh, runs on iOS uh, that allows you to do something similar to Boink. 
uh, in just helping drug development. Uh, I think that's the only project that's running at the moment, but I do know that they have run other projects on that Dream Lab application. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's exclusive to iOS. Otherwise, I don't know. But I, all I know is that it's one of the only um, distributed computing projects that you can run on iOS. Awesome, yes. And they just completed the drugs phase three. So... I'm not entirely sure what that means, but I think that's phase three of their project. Yeah, phase three of the project. Uh, I don't know if it's the last phase. I don't know too much about that project, but it sounds like it's the last phase. <laughs> awesome. Well, congratulations to them. They got two more, apparently. Oh, and, yeah, they got uh, two more phases. Much love and respect to all that distributed computing going out there. I don't care what platform you want. I love Boink, but if you're doing the distributed compute, I am a fan. Join our team. <laughs> Join our team anyway. We want you. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next week, Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time here on the Blink Network Discord server. Thanks, everyone, for coming by and having a good time. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Bye, everyone. <laughs>